So, a bit of historical context about Romans, because we will begin our study from this book. Romans was written by Paul the Apostle, as you know, and theologians and Bible historians placed the writing of, of this book at around AD 56. So that's about 56 years after the death of Christ. And every time we come to a book, we have to ask ourselves, why was it written and to, and to whom was it written? Now we can start with the second question, which is that it was written to Christians in Rome. However, Paul makes it very clear that he did not plant this church in Rome. We don't have conclusive historical data about who planted this church, but there was a church in Rome and Paul was writing to them. Now, if you know the Mediterranean Sea, it divides much of Africa and Asia from Europe so that on the east side of the Mediterranean Sea, you have what is now modern day Turkey and Greece and parts of Eastern Europe. And these places historically made up um, the locations for the epistles to the early churches in the New Testament. So we're talking of places like Corinth and Galatia and Antioch and Philippi. And all these places were situated on the east side of the Mediterranean. And as you know, Antioch was Paul's first base for his apostolic uh, missionary endeavors. And the gospel had generally prospered on the east side. In the first century, all of these eastern territories were governed and subjugated by the Romans. And the gospel had done so well in these territories. So now Paul, like he tells us in this letter, was intent on taking the gospel to the western side of the Mediterranean and then into the very heart of Western Europe. So naturally, Italy and Rome in particular, as the capital of the empire at that time, was the main target for Paul. It was supposed to be some kind of landing ground or, or a new base or a HQ, if you like, for this new mission to the West. Um, and naturally, one of the big questions on the table was, will the gospel prosper in Rome also, amongst the Romans, as it had done in the East? You could say that the Easterners were people subjugated by the empire and therefore in need of any kind of good news, you know. And so it was not a surprise that the gospel had prospered there, especially amongst the slaves. Just like you may say today that, you know, um, Africans need good news. And hence, that's why Christianity is prospering on our shores and in our land. But could you really say the same for the people on the west side of the Mediterranean? Because this was Rome, after all. Um, Think of Rome as the modern-day economically and militarily prosperous and largely self-sufficient nation, such as the United States or Germany or Canada of today. The question is, if you go to Rome, what do you have that stands you out? You have to wield some kind of power, whether it's intellectual or even perhaps seductive power, in order to be of interest to the Romans. It's like moving to... Um, a highly capitalistic mega city in the 21st century. Think of any big mega city in the 21st century. You'll very quickly be relegated to the sidelines if you don't have something unique that brings you to the table. And so the big question facing Paul was, would the gospel also work in Rome? Is the gospel of Jesus universally sufficient for the affluent, which are the kind of people you find in Rome, the intellectually trained minds, perhaps even the self-righteous moralists, you know, and also those that society may consider the morally delinquent, you know, those that we may think are lost enough that there is no hope um, of recovering them back into society. Another thing you will notice in this letter is that there is a bit of a Jewish gentle dichotomy. Um, and that means that it seems that this 
church, the one Paul is writing to, was dominated by Gentiles. And by Gentiles, I mean non-Jewish people, people who have either perhaps Roman origin or of another citizenship other than Jewish. They might have been proselytes, but not Jewish by birth. And the timing of this letter was about two years after the death of um, Emperor Claudius. Um, now, Claudius was the emperor who expelled the Jews from Rome due to perhaps his anti-Jewish sentiment. And this meant that the church in Rome may have initially grown and expanded without any Jews. After Claudius died in AD 54, um, his successor Nero, the emperor who would later murder Paul, welcomed back the Jews to Rome, I think largely for economic reasons. So this church was now in a very unique spot where the Jews were beginning to fellowship again with the Gentiles. Naturally then, um, some of the issues that this letter addresses in the later parts begin to arise. I issues such as how much should we integrate ourselves? What does it really mean to be saved? You know, how, how universally plausible is the gospel considering the different you know, cultures and backgrounds that the gospel tries to unite? So that's a very brief summary of the background behind this letter. Paul is writing to this church because he's eager to come to Rome and eventually to the West to prove that the gospel that prospered so greatly amongst the subjugated Easterners was powerful enough to bring salvation to the rich and powerful because it was universal and it applies to everyone. Now, another reason for the letter was to straighten out some of those Jewish Gentile divides. Um, but what we end up having is what I would call a masterpiece of scripture. The book of Romans is one of my favorites. And I know that in our core values, we said that these are books that, like, like the books of the New Testament, were not written as lectures, but as letters. But if any book of the Bible can qualify as a lecture, it would definitely be the book of Romans. Because in it, Paul very intelligently lays down the foundation and the building blocks of the gospel of Jesus. And as we will see, the book is very well organized in those layers. Um, so we're going to study Romans in about four parts. The first part this week is titled The Gospel of God. Um, what, what is that and how are we saved by it? So, you know, just in case you've been thinking, what is the gospel? You know, if I'm to tell someone about the hope that's in my heart, how do I begin? Where do I begin? There's so much content to go through. Where do I start from? We will look at that today. And next week, we'll look at chapter 4, which is the hope of the gospel, and we will build on from there. So I welcome you to this exciting journey. I'm trusting that you're going to enjoy it as much as I'm looking forward to it also.